Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the Sin HQ and studios stand, the Wondery people of the Kulin Nations. Bringing you the best new music from Melbourne and across the country. Online or on the radio, this is The Hoist. Giving local music a lift on Sin. Good evening and welcome back to The Hoist. My name is Sam and tonight we're going to be covering accessibility in the music industry, focusing on the recent event that took place at the wonderful venue, The Corner Hotel. It was the groovy event, Groove Tunes, run by TB Access and in collaboration with five artists on the lineup. Man, it was a stellar lineup. I was down at the gig and it was groovy, it was funky, it was fun and, you know, it was really, it felt like a community of people coming together, gathering, just to let themselves go and have a good time. Today we sit down and have a chat with various voices talking about accessibility and inclusion throughout Australia and Melbourne and their respective venues and music scenes. I talked with Lara, who's the venue manager at the Corner Hotel. We talked with Dina, who runs TB Access and also put on Groove Tunes this year and last year, which was the first ever year that it run. I also had a chat with some wonderful behind-the-scene voices and some of the artists on the lineup. We're doing about a 90-minute special tonight. It's going to be awesome. We're going to play some records from some of the artists on the lineup too. So I really hope you enjoy and get some more insights into what it means to create and be a part of safe and inclusive spaces in the music world. But first, I'm going to throw it to Dina. She's going to talk about what Groove Tunes is and what it means to her to be a part of an accessible and inclusive world in music. First of all, I wanted to ask you, like, what are your thoughts going into this? How was last year's Groove Tunes? Were you surprised by the turnout, by by what happened at the event? Like it's sold out already, the first ticket releases. That's so exciting. Um, it was, I mean, last year was the first one and it was sort of just like stepping into the unknown a little bit. And we also sort of stepped into it during COVID um, and when there were still restrictions happening as well. So it was a little bit, it was actually really scary, to be honest, um, with all the restrictions and, and everything that sort of held back the music and arts industry. But we still went through with it. It was still, it was just this massive success. Um, it was everything and more that I could have hoped for. I think as an event manager and as an event producer, you you go in and you just go, oh, my goodness, I hope that everyone loves this as much as I have putting in the work to it. Um, it was, it was, I don't even know how to explain the atmosphere. Everyone was just so supportive of one another and kind to one another. Everyone was talking and dancing together. And it was just like this one big sort of community that came together and, you know, supported all of the artists on stage, whether they lived with a disability or not. Um, and it was just really wonderful to see our artists be supported in that sense as well. Um, especially some of the artists with lived experience that haven't had that opportunity to share a main stage. Um, so it was, yeah, really special. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, to be access and the work you guys do and, and what it what it takes to put on an event like GrooveTunes? TV is a specialist access consultancy for creative industries. So we work on or we work with venues, events of all sizes, festivals, we work with artists, we run workshops. So anything that kind of falls under that creative industries umbrella TV supports people in their accessibility journey in that. So we have three main goals that we try to achieve at TV. One of them is supporting artists with lived experience and advocating for artists with lived experience. The second is educating, and we do that through the workshops that we run. Uh, We constantly bring in interns, volunteers, uh, provide training um, across the country. And the third is consulting. So we consult obviously with a range of of different events large and small we've worked with really small community events and then we've worked on events like big sound like one of the biggest music industry conferences in the country so um we I guess we pride ourselves on on who we work with um and the the range of people that we can work with because we want everyone to feel like they can achieve accessibility no matter what the budget is that they hold or their capacity or their knowledge. When you're consulting for big festivals or a big event, what are some of the considerations mm-hmm. that you take into account going into it? And are there things that you notice that the festival organisers are really surprised by? They're like, oh, wow, I didn't didn't even think about that. And you're like, yeah, well, <laughs> let's implement it. I think, I think big and small events, it's sort of the same concerns is that people go oh my goodness accessibility is going to cost me so much money I'm going to have to redo my bathroom I'm going to have to implement a ramp here I'm going to have to put a lift in here and it's going to cost me so much when access doesn't have to cost a lot of money there's a lot of in-house sort of quick wins that you can do um, that I think people are really surprised by you know, one of the things, one of the first things we do with any of our clients is audit their websites and support them in adjusting the information that's provided on their website. And that doesn't cost a lot of money. A lot of that can be done in-house. Creating social stories to provide on your website can be done in-house and it doesn't cost anything. Um, so there's a lot of those sort of quick and easy wins that people are really surprised by that won't cost them that much. Um, and then the things that do cost money um, you know, there are grants available to support people um, in achieving those goals. And as a business, you set a budget every year. So it's about setting those goals and setting those budgets to say, hey, this year we will put in a ramp at the front door, but in two years' time we can, you know, adjust our bathroom and we can apply for A, B and C grants to help us to achieve this. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the accessible features that are being implemented at, at Groove Tunes, like specifically the the sub-pack vests? Or, you know, you mentioned the social stories as well. At Groove Tunes, we have a lot of accessibility features that we provide um, at the festival. We have companion cards available for people to attend. We also have all of our accessibility starts from the website, what we've provided on the website in terms of information, um, but then also in our ticketing as well. So for people who cannot afford to come to Groove Tunes, people within the community, 
Um, others can buy what's called a pay it forward ticket. So a pay it forward ticket can be purchased by anyone, um, whether they're attending group tunes or not, and we will pay it forward to someone within the disability community to attend the show. Um, and that's an initiative that we are really, really proud of. And that's probably one of our most popular ticketing options. We have, obviously, our event is based in Melbourne. We have people in Victoria, sorry, in New South Wales and Queensland that have also purchased those tickets um, for us to continue to pay it forward. Um, we have lyric videos that we provide alongside the Auslan interpreters. And the reason why we do this is, one, it's a great alternative if you don't have budget for Auslan. Um, but the other really great reason as to why we do this is Auslan is a language within itself. And it's a bit of a misconception that deaf and hard of hearing people all know Auslan. Sometimes people acquire their disabilities later on in life um, and therefore do not learn Auslan, do not know Auslan. So having lyric videos alongside is a really great um, additional feature and again low cost we do that in-house we create that ourselves um, it's a really good quick and easy win for artists as well they can be super creative with their lyric videos and have them you know along all of their tours that they can just you know keep keep coming along with them um, but we also something that we're really really excited about this year are our sub pack vests so we didn't have those last year. Um, and essentially they are vests that deaf and hard of hearing people can wear and they vibrate along with the bass and the sound of music. So it's an additional sensory element to music that we're so stoked to have. It's a really exciting piece of technology that's really new to the industry, really new to Australia. Um, and we've got a couple of them at the show. So we've purposely picked a lineup that's, super upbeat um, and really fun that'll go really well with those vests as well. Why why do you choose the Corner Hotel as the venue to host group tunes? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, we, in in sort of the initial planning phases, because it took about two years before we, we actually brought group tunes to life. It was like two years of planning um, initially and obviously COVID sort of pushed us back a little bit, but we went around to multiple venues around Melbourne um, and had really great conversations um, with different managers and different venues um, as well. But I think what stuck out to us um, with the corner is it's not a perfect venue accessibility-wise. However, the staff there, the, the corner hotels team are the most passionate team they want to make a difference and they want to make as many changes as possible. And they're so open to us when we say, Hey, we want to put a lift in at the stage. Can we do that? They're like, yep, hundred percent go for it. So having a, a venue that is accessible was, you know, ticking sort of those accessibility boxes was one part of it, but then having a venue that has a team that's just so passionate um, and so easy to work with um just makes our job so much better and so much easier. And we've just built this really great relationship with the corner hotel. I'd love if you could share with us some, some common misuses of, of language, you know, when we're referring to people who have that lived experience and, and what, you mm -hmm. know, is more inclusive 
to say? Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, we at TV Access and all of our language, um, we use what's called person-first language, um, so identifying the person first before their disability. So I guess in a, a great example that I use is um, I am Dina with brown eyes, not brown-eyed Dina. So you wouldn't say um, the disabled girl, you'd say the girl with the disability or um, the the man who is blind. It is a person first rather than a blind person, a deaf person. Um, so person first language is really, really important. Um, and we, you know, teach that and preach that across um, all of our teachings everything that we do that's probably one of the most important sort of parts of language um, another part of language that um, we also really like to implement um, is image descriptions and verbal descriptions so you might have come across it in social media where you see someone might post a photo and then put id which stands for image description and they'll describe what that image is and that's used typically for a person who is blind or low vision who's using a screen reader when they're scrolling through, let's say on Instagram, for example. It's also um, really helpful to do that in, in person as well. So all of our artists at Groove Tunes will be asked to do um, an image description of themselves before or during their set. Um, so, you know, they can say, I am so-and-so, I am standing on stage in a bright pink dress and green hair whatever it might be, it gives that person a description of their image and who they are on stage. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, I guess, another part of language um, and descriptions that we implement as well. Now I want to share with you a chat that I had with the venue manager at the Corner Hotel, Lara. She was wonderfully kind to welcome me into the space and give me a bit of a tour as well of the Corner and all of its awesome facilities. I've actually never been there before and I didn't realise that there was a whole beer garden section upstairs completely separate from the band room. And if you haven't been to the corner before, the band room kind of wraps around, like there's a bar that wraps around the middle and then half of it is a band room and then half of it is kind of like a, you know, a public front bar. And I really like that vibe of it being open and kind of the possibility of it just being one interconnected space. I felt like that I could move around more and walk between the different spaces. So I dig the venue. That's first of all, I dig the venue. And it was really cool walking in there, having a look at the walls and just the icons that have played in this space. I think I spent like 15 minutes just looking from poster to poster and seeing all of these bands that I like, you know, where was I in 2018 when this person was playing? I should have been here. I should have come to see this gig. But Lara shared some wonderful insights into accessibility at the corner and what that means. And as I was saying, you know, the fact that they have a dedicated website, a dedicated space to talking about accessibility in their venue and saying this part of the venue is accessible and you know this part is maybe not as much or here are the accessible toilets here's how to access them here's what you do if you're you know in this situation and obviously there's so much work that needs to be done throughout the industry that's something that I'm learning whilst I'm talking to all of these people is that you know, none of us are up to the level that we, we should be existing as people, as music fans, as music lovers, 
and putting that energy into really thinking and focusing on how we can create spaces that are more inclusive for everybody, you know, for all people that are coming into the venues. And I think that's something that I've taken away from this experience and that I hope you feel similarly after hearing this conversation, hearing the conversations I've had with other people. It was really refreshing to hear that Lara, someone who is in a position of power, who does run a venue as iconic as The Corner, is really thinking about these things and taking into consideration what moves and what steps they can do to create that more inclusive environment. Anyways, here's our chat. I hope you enjoy. Here it is. Well, because you've been in this role for since 2016, for seven years, how would you describe the Corner Hotel? It's, it's well, I, in my opinion, it's unique because it's one of these special places that, um, like, you know, we can cater for so many different people. Like, there's people that love the band room and the front bar and they come into gigs and they wouldn't even know that we've got a beer garden upstairs. Well, then we've got the people that come in upstairs to the beer garden and then they go, oh, you do like music. Like, you know, we have music fans, we have footy fans, we have, you know, somebody's playing down the road, we've got all of their fans coming through. And it's in, in sort of, you know, in my experience of working in different venues, Corner is, is there's people from like, I don't want to say weirdly strong, but like really strong connections here, which is really lovely. Like, you know, having, there's, there's, you know, casual staff that have worked here for years and people that have these like really strong attachments to it, which I think kind of fosters this, um, I don't know, the environment at the corner and like, you know, people, I have people come in and they'll be like, oh, I went to my first underage gig here or, or I used to sneak into gigs here, like back in the day, I'm like, oh, that was definitely before my time, but you know, like it's it it's one of these venues that um, I think you know what Matt and Tim have done, like the, the owners, and sort of um, I guess like championing you know different artists coming through. Like one of the great things is that quite often we're that stepping stone in an artist's journey. Like they might come here and do a run of sold out gigs, and then they're going to be off and we'll never get them back in here again because they need to you know fill much bigger venues and it's really nice to feel like you're a part of that journey with them um or like people you know different artists that have been like around for years and then they sort of come back here and it's like a sort of a nostalgia vibe so you know there's kind of like the best of both worlds with that um I don't know that that really answers what I... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm like on the wall behind you here, there are these black and white, well, mostly images of some very iconic bands. And I think it really encapsulates a certain vibe and energy. And like you were saying about, you know, making memories in this space. Yeah. I think the Corner Hotel is like iconic within the music world. So it's interesting that you say that some people go, oh, you guys do, you know, live live music. That's It's funny, but it's such a central location. So I'm sure you have so many different cross-sections and crowds that come through the doors. Yeah, we do. And But yeah, I think iconic is a good word. Like, I think, I think it sounds like arrogant if I say it. Like, <laughs> but, but, it, but it is. It, it is true. It is true. Well, it is. Like, but for you, it's a massive legacy to take on. I'm sure in 2016, you felt that, you yeah. know, stepping into this role. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a venue that holds a very dear place in a lot of people's hearts and so you know you you kind of want to 
look after that. You want to sort of help it evolve and help it adapt, but also retain that character of, of the venue that is, you know, something special, like a special experience for people when they, when they come in. Yeah, I think the idea of evolving is really interesting and something that I reckon you know the corner hotel is doing a really good job at like especially with the you know event tonight groove tunes you guys have an accessibility section dedicated on the website which is extremely rare to see on most like australian venue hotels website is a section specifically dedicated for that and also the information you guys provide images of the different spaces uh like you know social cars and stuff like that that i think wouldn't even cross people's minds why was that a step that you took as a venue giving that information out for people to access yeah so in in 2016 um the the venue went underwent uh like quite a big renovation so uh that was when we built the the beer garden as we have it now upstairs in the rooftop and it was pretty much like it was it was a really good point for us to sort of stop and go like you know how how do we want to move forward as an organization what are you know, what, what's important to us and, uh, you know, what can we sort of put in place. And so, you know, that was an opportunity for us to, you know, incorporate some physical changes, but then also to look at what other, um, you know, accessibility uh, improvements that we could make. And, and a lot of that, you know, comes down to the information that we could present. So, uh, you know, for us, it's about, you know, it's, it's about how we wanted to sort of move forward and... and, and and I guess, you know, B as a, as a venue, like what's important to us. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, there was a lot of focus put into that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people focus on, oh, you know, hang on, is it steps, lifts, ramps, like the physical stuff. And then, you know, when you talk to people with lived experience and, um, uh, you know, actually get some advice from, from people that you go, a lot of it is stuff that you can actually do. Like, you know, most venues will have a website. People know, you know, about the limitations of their venue and that, you know, sometimes, you know, all people are after is, is you know, where to find that information without it being, a, you know, a chore or an issue for them. Yeah. Would you class the corner as a safe, inclusive and accessible space? Well, we're always striving to be that. I mean, I don't think we're perfect by any means. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's a continual journey, but it is something that we are always working towards whether it's you know inclusion from an ex- accessibility point of view or from creating safer spaces for um, you know having a gender neutral bathroom you know kind of like you know catering to a diverse range of people that can come into the venue and making sure that it's welcoming for everyone yeah I know there was some specified training that took place recently with some volunteers for tonight's show and also some staff from the corner. Is there specific training that's implemented into the process when someone applies for a job here and before their first shift that you do in terms of safety and inclusion and making sure the staff understand what to do if situations arise? We, we have uh, an induction session that we do with staff. So, you know, we're when we're recruiting people and uh, you know we get them in and we go okay cool we like you come and work here um, we put them through an induction session which outlines um, our different values our safer spaces policy um, we also incorporate that with our security guards 
um, because the security guards are contractors, but we have an, a, you know, have an agreement with the, the provider that I won't have any guards that come and work in the venue until they've actually done a venue induction with us, the same way that we do it with staff, because um, you know, quite often they are the first experience that somebody has with the venue when they come into the front door. So uh, we've you know, made that kind of a condition of coming and working here so that it's it's kind of set that, you know, these are our values and, you know, if you're on board, great, we can all be on the journey together. And if, if you know, if, I've never yet had somebody that goes, oh, actually, I'm, I disagree with this and not come back. But um, it's kind of like, you know, if, if people want to work here, this is, this is kind of the process that we go through with them. What would that process look like in action? If I came into the venue and I was feeling unsafe, I wanted somewhere quieter to go, I needed that hand and I approached a member of staff, what would that conversation be like? Um, well, it would depend on the situation. Um, but if you were feeling unsafe uh, because of the interactions of, of somebody else or you, you know, just wanted to go to a quieter space, we've got a quieter space at the front, uh, front entrance with the little couches. Uh, it's close to the security guards so that you can feel like there's you know, a, a, a reassuring presence there. Um, generally, if you approached a member of staff, they would call a supervisor or a manager to um, you know, come, and, come and talk to you and, and work out what the situation is and you know, what it is that you needed in terms of addressing whatever had gone on. Well, it is really nice to hear your like, insights in on that because I feel like when you are managing such a lively and busy space it can be very easy just to you know stick with the regular crowd that comes in and not try to think okay how can we invite perhaps people that didn't even consider coming here because there wasn't even that accessibility you know a possibility there and reading for tonight like some of the like the lowered bar i think that's something that originally people go oh lowered bar, how does that work and it's like it's as easy as just two tables and a you know and a cloth right yeah so i think that's that's great and all it takes I feel like the vibe is it's just a little bit of you know staff training and saying hey can you make sure serve people at this bar as well and simple stuff like that Adina was saying that it is very DIY and it's not even on a financial level it's not as big and massive as people conceive it to be I think people people get daunted because maybe they don't I think sometimes people are afraid to ask the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And I think that, um, you know, it's people, yeah, they, they're, they're afraid of doing the wrong thing. So they think, oh, well, I can't necessarily do that. Um, but we kind of approach it as, as, you know, well, if we can learn from it and yeah, it's a, it's a simple, it might actually be something really, really simple. I mean, if we've got posters or we've got menus, we can do something in plain print. Like, you know, it's like it's it's a simple change. It's not like it's we're going cool, reinvent the wheel. It's it's yeah. it's, it's it's about going okay. What can you actually do? And some of the things like um, have like for instance our little QR codes that we have on the tables. That was something that we brought in from COVID because of uh, you know. Uh, when we had all the restrictions in place. And now uh, it's, you know, we, we won't take it out because it's really good like, from a visibility point of view because, you know, people now can just 
look on their phones and go through it and it doesn't matter about whether they're going to the bar or not or yeah, that's really... you know looking like handling a, a physical menu um, and you can also have a look at it on the website before you come and you know that was and that was not even something that like when we put it in it was because of COVID restrictions and, and not being able to have full contact with people um, and it's been a real uh, real benefit as well. And Lara is so correct. I mean, if you just head onto the Corner Hotel website, right, go to cornerhotel.com forward slash accessibility, and you can have a look at all of the things they've included on their accessibility page. Here we go. They cover topics such as guide dogs and service dogs, uh, service at the bars, public transport, accessible parking, wheelchair access, band room lighting, and they also have some images of their various different spaces as well. So you can get like a bit of a visual idea of the environment that you're going into as well, which I think is, is extremely, extremely helpful. You can also print out this accessible information and there's also some social stories available as well if you're attending events at the Corner Hotel. And I love this, man. I mean, this is, you know, this is miles beyond so many... Uh, other websites that I've come across when I'm looking at, you know, purchasing tickets. Why wouldn't anywhere else have this kind of information so easily accessible? I wanted to know from Lara, though, what her advice was to other people who are in these positions of power in terms of creating more inclusive and accessible spaces. What words of wisdom would you bestow upon other people who are perhaps, you know, also venue managers or in positions of power and oversee different spaces in terms of making your environment more safe, accessible and inclusive? Um, I would say start with information in terms of, you know, go and speak to people with lived experience and get that information of, of what somebody needs and, you know, then have a look at the information that you have about like everybody knows their own venue you, you know you know you know your venue best start with what is what of that information can you then communicate to people and how can you communicate it in different ways but I think definitely talk to people with lived experience because otherwise you know you're assuming things so that would be my that would be my words of wisdom I guess yeah <laughs> if, if there was yeah I mean, talk, talk to people, find out information, find out, you know, you know um, what you can do. There's, there's, I mean, you know, with Tibi Access, uh, there's Dina, there's a number of organisations that, you know, can get involved with training or, or doing, uh, you know, venue audits and, you know, giving you reports and information and, you know, some of those have been the most, you know, beneficial things that we've done and they've shaped a lot of the stuff that, we've then tried to work on. You know, I, I asked, I was talking with Dina about, because I feel like, like you were saying earlier, um, in terms of people being afraid to ask questions or afraid to ask, because it's it's very like, oh, I don't, you know, I want to go there. I don't really know what to do. If someone rocks up with a cane or in a wheelchair oh, yeah. and they're kind of like overly, you know, like how can we be more just accepting of everyone? And is there certain things... Like if you're an artist, Dina said, ID yourself on stage. What are you wearing? You know, yeah. things like that. Okay, so I mean, I think, and one of the one of the things that I you know take away from the training that we've done with Dina is is actually just ask somebody rather than assuming that they might need help. You know, somebody might have a cane or um, you know a, a visible disability. 
but don't just go and assume that you need to do something just ask the person and don't be afraid if they say no thanks I'm fine like cool mm. you know you've asked they don't need you great yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think asking the questions that's what you've got to do I want to throw it now to a couple of the members of the behind-the-scenes team involved with GuruTunes. This is Elise Parkin, who is talking about her experience as the volunteer coordinator, and also Brittany, who is one of the photographers down from Simply Photographers, who captured the event. What strikes you about wanting to join GuruTunes? Why did you um, come by the team? My brother is autistic, um, and he's six years younger than me, so we've got a lot of history in our family. Um, and yeah, just like growing up with my brother, he loves music, but he's very like, can't find the right events to go to. There's not a lot of accessibility. There's not a lot of inclusion and support. And so I sort of seen him see something that he loves and not being able to attend. There's that barrier for him. Um, and what Dina does with Brutrin, she just removes the barrier entirely so that anyone is welcome to come and enjoy themselves and have a good time, feel safe. Um, and so when I saw, yeah, her work, I was like, that's so amazing. I just want to be a part of that because I feel like, you know, I'm doing justice, something for my brother too, because I feel like these events, you know, starting with group tunes, something small, and then you're growing it into something bigger and eventually, you know, accessibility across the board, all live music events and gigs, it's just, you know, it should be for everyone. How have you found the implementation of all of these you know, like we've got a screen that's up showing kind of music lyric videos. Yes. And there's also, I see there's a ramp near the stage as yes. well. Yeah. Do you think for other venues, things like that are easy to implement? Yes, absolutely. 100%. It's, I think it's hard because it's, it's more processes, more perceived effort. But really, if everyone's doing their part, it just becomes a part of everyone's normal process. You know, like any venue, really, you've got set up and sound check. You've got all these processes in place. All you're doing is just adding a couple of extra to really open up your market, really. I, I can't see the fault and the downfall in the whole situation. You're, you're opening up, you know, what the Corner Hotel has done to make, you know, the accessible entrance and all these kinds of things they've got going on to make their venue more accessible. All they're doing is opening up their venue to a larger market and, and can't hurt the venue <laughs> yeah. more people more money more profit like there's just no there's no downside there's yeah definitely no I, downside <laughs> at all I felt that like Dina was saying to me she'd gone around to a few venues and checked them out and when she came to the Corner Hotel she noticed that the team here were really supportive yeah. and passionate about yeah. putting on an event like this and I found it really rewarding yeah. chatting with Lara and her kind of saying that they were really on board with all these things and it yeah. wasn't difficult no. you know what I mean it's as easy as like the social stories for example that's yep. such a simple thing that you can yeah. implement and it doesn't need another separate team to that's do it. that's it it's just you know things like the lyric videos and the social stories it's another thing you've got to do and, and you know it's it takes more time but I don't know I don't really know how to describe it like it's it takes more time, but it really shouldn't be an issue. I think that's that's the, the people have like their, oh, but it's more stuff for me to do. It's more on my to-do list. But really, like, again, you're opening up the venue to a whole new market. I think you should take the extra 10 minutes out of your day to make a social story. And, you know, you've got apps like Canva and that. It's not, it's not that hard. <laughs> well, first of all, I wanted to ask you about your experience the other day at Groove Tunes, how did you find the festival? How did you find working there? Did you did you dig the music? 
Yeah, so Groove Tunes is a really special event um, for me to get to be involved with. It's actually my second year. I was lucky enough to photograph their inaugural event last year and seeing it get even bigger and better this year was really special. Um, Groove Tunes is a brilliant event. Um, and the, the concept itself is something I'm very passionate about as someone who is a photographer in a wheelchair. So I'm a live music photographer on wheels, um, as I call myself. So, you know, events like Groove Tunes take the things that I wish would become commonplace at all events and make them happen. So things like, um, you know, even the addition of the sub-pack vests for people who are hard of hearing or deaf and that sort of thing to actually be able to feel the music um, was, you know, a, a brilliant inclusion and something I had only seen before at one festival, I think. And... You know, even things like having having a bar that's at it, you know, that it, that it's at an accessible height. Um, you know, obviously the corner, the venue that they chose as well is one that doesn't pose a lot of um, accessibility issues in terms of being flat to get in and that sort of thing. So, you know, there was there was obviously thought that went into that sort of thing as well. Um, you know, a green room that doesn't have stairs to access, um, which is quite commonplace within the music industry I found um yeah it was just it was a really special event and yeah I dug the music it was it was really good um I actually hadn't worked with any of those bands or artists previously before so um it was great to see you know some new some new talent and there was a bit of diversity on the lineup too um Cool Out Sun were definitely a favorite for me and um Volley yeah I had a, a lovely chat with Lara at the corner um the other day and she seemed really passionate and driven and like she really cared about wanting to make the space more accessible and inclusive and that was a really refreshing takeaway you know the fact that they have like a dedicated space on their website to accessibility that you can access before you're coming into the space so you can feel more comfortable for yourself is that something that you well, obviously it's something you consider, but to what extent do you consider that when you go out and photograph live music? Um, so I'm known for pretty much doing anything, you know, whatever it takes to get the shot kind of thing. Um, but I am definitely a big advocate for venues, having that sort of information available to people so that, um, you know, even things that might be as simple in the sense of, you know, including them on a website, but things like, you know, whether there's stairs or how many stairs there are and that sort of thing because, you know, you might get a person who's in a wheelchair but can do stairs or then you've got those that can't or those that might only be able to do a couple of stairs. And so, you know, it just gives people that added information available to them when they are making the choice to go out and see a concert and that sort of thing. But I think as well with this event specifically, the event took away all those sort of usual barriers because, you know, there were things that were thought of that people often don't even consider themselves, you know, like for people that may have, you know, sensory issues where they become overstimulated and that sort of thing, um, you know, there was a sensory area available with some, um, you know, some colouring in and some various, um, you know, like things to do that offered that safe place where people could escape to if they needed that. Do you think venues across Melbourne are doing enough in terms of accessibility? Definitely not. Definitely not. And the other thing I found as well is 
there's sort of the sense of they might consider accessibility when it comes to getting people in the front door. But then once they're in the front door, that's it. You know, there might be two flights of stairs up to the green room or the the backstage area. And, you know, this is for speaking as someone who works in the industry, but this also impacts and restricts access for musicians themselves who may have disabilities, who mightn't be able to do stairs or, you know, even things such as having parking available near the venue, like, you know, disabled parking, um, you know, can make a huge difference. And going back to the inclusion of accessibility information on the website, it's such a simple gesture, but it can make a world of difference. Now I want to throw it to some conversations I had with some of the artists on the Groove Tunes lineup. Cool Out Sun, Volley Kay and Betty Ford had some wonderful insights to share with me about their experience at Groove Tunes and how they feel about accessibility within the music world. So here they are. What was that experience mm-hmm. like for you playing at Groove Tunes? How did you find it? It was really cool. Um, I, I really enjoyed playing. Like, you know, a lot of, how do you say it without seeming rude, a lot of audiences take everything for granted and are there and they're just getting pissed and acting like idiots and artists and the whole experience of being out and amongst people is just like, whatever, it's all about me. I'm getting pissed and rah. And when you're at the events where audiences are like, yo, this is awesome. I can be in here. I want to check this out. This acts great. Um, the, the people performing are really considering the audience also having interpreters on side of stage who were just amazing. You know, it's like a, it's a, it's a wider circumference of an experience. And I find the, just the, the energy that the audience gives, um, the consideration and energy as a performer. Um, I just think all around it, was, it was it's a really, really cool experience. Um, very holistic and awesome. Yeah. I find it interesting that you, like I just I love your your presence, man, and your focus, you know. And I know you go around to a lot of like youth groups and you know school like workshops and kind of act as a mentor in a lot of people's lives. Why is it special to have that relationship in someone's life? Because that's what it is to be human have relationships, and I think that's something that's being pushed on us to have pulled apart is to not be human to not have relationships and that's something I love about live performance is uh, it's it's an immediate access to a deep place that's face to face and not via a screen you can immediately give energy, you can immediately receive energy you can very quickly share intimacy with people you don't necessarily know but can know for the moment I think that's beautiful and um, I think uh, you know, that kind of exchange is, is what it is for me to be human. I think it's what matters and you get that through music. Also the, the vibration, you know, after all that, that time that shall not be mentioned, those two years um, when people started going out and were hitting, hearing speakers, actual large speakers that sub run through their bodies for the first time in, for some people, years the reaction that that had on people, even on myself, like, oh my gosh, I forgot how a kick drum felt versus hearing it on you know, ear pods or laptop speakers or even a home system. It's not the same. And so, you know, pushing that through people, like the way we mix music and how we mix it and why 
for what we want sonically, seeing people get hit with that very human and organic approach to sound. I, I just love it. I love the exchange. I, I, I love sharing that. Mm. At Groove Tunes, I think the Corner Hotel did a really good job in creating a space that was way more accessible than our regular venues that we perform yeah. in. Did you find that experience different when you were when you were playing? And do you think venues are, are doing enough when it comes to accessibility? Yeah, I, I would like to see what was happening at the corner of Groove Tunes happen way more. It was really cool. And I keep saying <laughs> there's a line in a song we did, a song we've not released called Oh Yeah, and there's certain lyrics. And the way the signing, the person doing the signing to my left was signing my words, showed me how I should actually be rapping my words. <laughs> the attitude and the way she was moving, I was just like, holy moly, like, I want to be more like you when I do this. And like, it gave me a sense of I have the right to show more and have more movement in my body and express myself the way she did. Uh, the audience that was in there, there was space for people. Um, the the general energy was just amazing. Having Even having lyrics up that people can check out. I mean, sometimes obviously people just want to go out and just, party or whatever but i like the consciousness i like the presence that it brings um uh, yeah I, I would love to see more of that if possible where possible um if not always at least often you know do you think we have inclusive and accessible venues across australia i think we we don't um, we don't have, I think we're getting better. I think we're getting better in allowing the venues to be accessible. Um, and it's really encouraging and being, especially being part of, um, especially being part of and being invited to these, um, festivals. And it's, it's really encouraging for me and knowing that people that all walks of life can enter now. And, and, you know, it's not just catering just for the able um, and not just, you know, catering just for the um, people that, we, that have sight and people that have good ears, but it's everyone. Um, and I love that. And I think we're definitely stepping to a, the right, to the right path. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about your story? Um, I believe you have a vision impairment and just what it's like living with that yeah, and so how you I'm, interact differently, you know, with music in the industry? Um, so I, um, I'm legally blind. Um, and that's because based on, um, based on the lack of pigmentation in my skin, that I'm a Fijian, I'm a proud Fijian albino and, um, and being an albino comes with that uh, vision impairment. And being in an albino, there's different degrees um, of the vision impairment. Um, and some will, will have absolutely no vision. And then and then, and then then scales down. Um, but we are definitely all legally blind. Um, and the, the hurdles that I come across every day is just the simple things of, you know, um, the way I use my 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 tools to make um, to make the the art that I've made, the music that I've composed, um, it's slightly, slightly different to others because I, I have, I have, um, I have customized my laptop or 
I've customized my phone or customized my keyboards or, or insurance that that um that I'm able to use it really quickly if, if that makes sense so um for example I have a really quick zoom in and out that I can use um and it's and it's a function that I um I had to customize in order to be able to navigate really quickly and be able to do my work efficiently uh, in, in the same way I've used little shortcuts on my phone um, and on my instruments um, basically I have little little stickers that that obviously you can't say anything but it just it has colors on the stickers so I know which what color does what um, from my favorite sound patches to um, to different different things that I've you know, um, that I'm able to customize to make my life a little bit more efficient. When you're like performing live and going around and playing at different venues, what obstacles do you notice sit in the way? Oh yeah, I I mean, on on Sunday, um, on Sunday that they, they were really good because I I got to be being being vision impaired. The, the staircase was lit, was lit up, so I was really thankful for that. Um, where most stages don't, most backstages aren't, most backstages or most um, stages to get on even is just difficult because it's like if you're vision impaired, um, it's difficult because it's, it's low light one um, and two, there's really no one there to kind of like shine the light so that you can actually step up, step you know step up. Um, so I. I currently tour with um, currently tour with Tones, Tones and I, um, one of Australia's best, like, you know, export artists. Um, well, I should not say export, but she's just really well known internationally. Um, and so we've just come. I've just come off her six week um, Europe, UK Europe tour, um, and we were opening up for Macklemore. Um, and the one thing that she's personally done is allocated someone on my side of the stage to light up the floor every single time. So I, I don't ever have to worry about falling off the stage or tumbling. And it's and it's been like that since since the day we've, we've started working together. And I've been up front with it. I've been up front with her with the, 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 the hurdles that I face as being legally blind. Um, and she's didn't think, she never thought twice to do anything different. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna make sure that you you have the same, you have the same. Um, you're able to get on and off stage with no problems, and exactly what what she did. And so I'm so grateful for that. And um, that just simply lo- looks like um, uh, one of the tech guys just holding a torch. That's that's all it is. So when I come off and on stage, all he's doing is shining in front of me, and so that I know exactly where I'm going. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that, and pretty, um, pretty privileged to be able to have that. But regarding like other venues around Australia or Sydney, um, the the great thing about Sydney is that we're definitely, um, we're definitely uh, inclusive. I feel, and I feel like it's just we're getting better um, in the in the way that we've set up our venues. And I I feel if you go to an older venue, you you definitely won't see the inclusiveness that we were trying to be. But as you go to the newer venues, I think you see it. Um, 
And I think some of the old venues that have the upgrade, they, they normally consider consider um, the wheelchair accessibility, the um, the you know light lighting strips that they, they could have when going on the ramps, um, uh, signs that are, are illuminated or with fluoro on them, um, things things like that. I think it's yeah, it's great. Do you think venues are are doing enough when it comes to making their spaces accessible? Honestly, no. I know some people try really hard. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time when I talk to uh, people at different venues, you know, they're not the owners or anything. So they can't, you know, decide to, you know, take this wall down and put one up here or whatever. You know, I don't expect things like that from them. But, you know, it's legally required that, businesses and you know venues should be accessible and I find a good majority just aren't like at all and uh you'll be very very lucky to find even just like an accessible toilet let alone an accessible entrance into a lot of places and uh there's I always sort of email places whenever I see anything even if I'm not going to go there just of like by the way is this fully accessible because if they don't think about it you know, they're, they're not going to know a lot of the time. A lot of them don't know that, yeah, it's a legal requirement. And, uh, you know, they might think, oh, well, it's good enough that, say, we've got a little ramp. But, you know, what about the door that's in front of the ramp? Can somebody open that if they're in a wheelchair or if they're on crutches or something? You know, how are you expecting people to open these things and get in, let alone other sort of access needs like like a lowered bar or uh, interpreters at certain things, or yeah, like the flashing lights and things like that. If you need a little sensory sort of room, places won't have that. You'll be really lucky to have an entrance that you can get on if, you know, doesn't have a ramp. Maybe it only has like one step, which still isn't accessible. But even if you have, I don't know, say something like with a limp or something, that's still going to be difficult. You know, you may technically be able to get in, but it's certainly not going to be easy or, you know, feel welcoming or anything like that, you know. And uh, luckily, a lot of my local places, um, we talk about this a lot <laughs> because uh, I often use either a walker or a cane on my mobility scooter. So I'll have to ask them, like, wait, is it is it downstairs or it upstairs? You know, whatever. And I'll specifically organize things around how I can access it. But a lot of places are just like, oh, sorry, no, you can't get in. Maybe next time. And it's just like, you realize disabled people, are, uh, we're about a quarter of the population. You know, that's a huge amount to sort of just discount and not even really invite in, you know. So um, I'd, I'd like to think many are trying their hardest and maybe they're just a little bit ignorant to a lot of it. Um, but yeah, I kind of think they sort of put it into a too hard basket sometimes and just think, oh, well, you know, they can't come. That's all right. They're not our audience anyway. And you think, well, we like things, you know, we like to go to events and, you know, parties and see bands or, you know, go out for drinks or whatever it is. And yeah, I get really excited when we can, but uh, unfortunately it doesn't seem to be uh, really open to us a lot of the time. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, Groove Tunes was penned as the most anticipated accessible yeah. gig on the calendar. Yeah, Are totally. Are gigs like that rare? Do they do they happen oh, yeah. often? No, <laughs> not at all. Like the only sort of times I've really seen it 
even advertised or anything like that is with Groove Tunes this year and last year and uh some parts of Ability Fest where um I I know that's still outside and there's like still a lot of grass and things like that so that can still be difficult for a lot of people um I do know that they have some paths like that you can go on if you're in a wheelchair because obviously it's a lot harder to do it on the grass and things like that but in my opinion I still don't think it's as accessible as what Groove Tunes is and um yeah so it, it's it's a huge uh sort of event because there's just so different accessible things in there for so many different types of disabilities or chronic illnesses but like they were saying on the night this really is like the the basics this should be everywhere you know it's not too difficult to be able to actually be you know welcoming to people and to to have their needs met you know this really should be the bare minimum um so you know we shouldn't have to be this excited about the minimum <laughs> you know but yeah. if we make a big deal out of it and tell everyone look this is amazing and you know it's not like it you know is a trillion dollars to cost or whatever <laughs> then then we can actually get other people to think hey yeah maybe we should get some interpreters or maybe we should put some lyrics up screen or you know have uh, at least a temporary ramp or something can put up there for places that you know if you can't have I know like some heritage buildings you can't change and everything but I think you still can just because a building was ableist in the past doesn't mean it still has to be there's got to be ways around that you know but uh it's it's unfortunately very very rare so for something like this to happen and the fact even that like the pricing is accessible as well that that's just an amazing thing to happen because if you go to a festival you know it's going to be hundreds of dollars a lot of the time and we got you know yeah five great people to see here hours and hours of entertainment <laughs> and and you know in all different sort of aspects it's accessible for a whole bunch of different people and it's it's just amazing it was then groove time and let me tell you man the audio that you're about to hear is a clip of me pre the gig, just hanging out, looking around, feeling into that environment. But it was really interesting and echoing, you know, what Emfa said, like it did feel like, you know, a, a community space. I felt so similarly when I was at Women of Soul. Um, and, you know, you were just, it was like you were, you were in a backyard party. You know what I mean? Or you were at a barbecue and they would just play music and people were just hanging out. And it's so much more casual and chill. And I feel like people are more focused in the music in a different way. You know, as I say, it was interesting that Emfa had mentioned that in terms of audiences and their reaction. And because a lot of those barriers had come down of, oh, we're here to see a certain artist or we're here to tick that off our bucket list or whatever, it was just like we're just coming and we're, we know that we all love and enjoy music and we're here to celebrate that together as one. And that energy really came across in that space. So I really dug it. I'm looking forward to going next year, as you should be too. Head along to Groove Tunes. I think it was a great success. You can hear these little insights I took now. I also had a little bit of a chat with Veronica, our hoist Monday night host, and she shared with me a little bit about the sensory zone that was available at the gig. I mean, there's lots of really interesting and cool things like that that I was like, what's a sensory zone? I had no idea before, you know, Groove Tunes, and now I'm more hip to those kinds of terms, which is great. 
and then we're going to play some records from the artists. So I hope you dig. Here it is. Here are these little audio bites I'm going to send you off with. This was Groo Tunes. Thank you, everybody, once again. Dina, Lara, all of the artists, Elise, Brittany. It was really lovely to chat with you all. I hope that we can all do this again and Groo this time next year. Dig it. So I'm currently here at Groove Tunes. The show hasn't started. In fact, it doesn't actually start for about another half an hour. Everyone's getting ready. It does feel like that pre-show vibe. I love that pre-show vibe. You know, I've always loved being backstage at events, concerts, gigs. Whenever I was doing musicals and concerts in high school, I just loved that pre-show energy that I felt. And right now it feels like that. And actually, you know what? The energy is really lovely. Everyone feels like they're really excited. They're just hanging out. And it feels like we're all here to support one another through the journey. And that is the main focus, really. We've got volunteers running around, people doing various different things. So, in fact, it is very exciting. Remedy's on stage right now. I think just about to do a bit of a sound check. And I trust these sound guys too. I see one guy running around, marking stuff up, whistling. I feel like he knows what he's doing. The guy in the sound desk is wearing a very cool jacket. Stock in the bar, volunteers are together in a huddle, and I'm just in the middle of the room, aimlessly here. <laughs> uh, I'm here today, and like I, I'm volunteering because I'm also neurodivergent, and I think that it's important that people who are disabled, who are um, disabled physically, um, whether that be neurologically, um, like with any type of impairment um, to senses or like, you know what I mean, Um, anyone who is disabled or disadvantaged um, needs live music basically like I think that it's important that accessibility becomes more common in the community yeah Um, and I think uh, one of the reasons why I'm volunteering today is to get a bit of experience working with other people and meeting other people who have the same type of experiences as me and helping them feel safe in a space of live music Uh uh-huh yeah, I'm here for fun as well. I want to have a good time. I want to have a boogie. Bit of a dance. Bit of a dance, yeah. yeah. So, we are currently in the sensory zone. Yes. No one is here yet, so we get a little bit of a sneak preview of what happens in the sensory zone. When I first heard well, there's going to be a sensory zone, you know, I thought, oh, like stuff that can <laughs> elevate your senses or yeah. whatever. But it's actually very opposite to that yeah it what is. is the sensory zone i mean look there is some stuff that still elevates the senses of course but the sensory zone is pretty much an area where you can just go and you can kind of like you know like give your senses a bit of a break if the live music is a bit too much in terms of the sound and if it's too much in terms of like what's going on the stage in terms of like the lighting and everything like you might have somebody for example who um has, even though I think that they've worked this out to make this not happen, but somebody who has epilepsy or who has like maybe sense sensory overloads, like um, like have a space where they can like come to and then chill out. 
Well, I think you know what time it is now. It's time for some music. After all, we are on the radio. This is a radio station, and I feel like I've neglected you of some music for this past 40 minutes. I hope you have taken a lot of wonderful insights, though, out of what you've heard. And, man, did some of these people have some really wonderful things to share. It's really got me thinking about when I go into spaces or when I put events on or create things, how I can make spaces and environments that are more safe and more inclusive and more accessible so that we can all dance and boogie together. So now let's hear some records from some of the artists on the lineup. We're going to start it off with a hot one from Volley K. This is called Never Alone. Thank you so much again. My name is Sam. This is The Hoist. And you're on scene. 